listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Today, I'm teaching on this subject uh, entitled, The Right Way to Respond to a Prophetic Word. The Right Way to Respond to a Prophetic Word. And let me just say this, there is a right way and there is a wrong way to respond to a prophetic word. Without question, there is a right way and there is a wrong way to respond to a prophetic word. Um, I'm going to tell you some stories today, some funny stories actually, and uh, some powerful things. Uh, Desi Ray says, where are you located? We are in West Palm Beach, Florida. That's where the church is, Desi Ray. is West Palm Beach, Florida. All the details, miraclewordchurch.com. Um, you know, one of the things you have to consider as, you know, a word may come to you. Good morning, Ashley. One of the words you have, to, one of the things you have to consider is that God uses humans. God uses humans. Now, I don't care if you say God showed up in my room last night. Jesus showed up in my room last night and uh, gave me this word. It doesn't matter even if you have a vision, even if an angel shows up, it doesn't matter. You still have to take these steps. You still have to take these steps. And I'll explain what I mean. You know, we have a book, I think it got taken off the table last night, but um, A.A. Allen uh, wrote a book that we offer in in our store now called The Price of God's Miracle Working Power. Good morning to everybody. This is the book. It's called The Price of God's Miracle Working Power. First of all, extremely powerful book, but there's a reason I'm talking about this with this broadcast. Um, This was out of print, and I felt it was such an important book for the body of Christ that um, we we re-released it. Um, And I wanted to make sure people could get this in their hands. If you don't know who A.A. Allen was, let me, let me say this. I wrote this at the beginning because I know a lot of people don't know who he, who he was, but he was an evangelist that was ministering right after World War II in a revival in America that was called the Voice of Healing, where people were being healed, mirac- I mean like mass healings, miraculous things, supernatural things like in mass. And um, his, his tent, he would set up a tent his tent would seat over 22,000 people under the tent. Uh, one of the most impactful evangelists in history. Um, think about this. This was back in the 40s and 50s. He was on preaching daily on 58 radio stations and 43 television stations. 58 radio stations and 43 TV stations in the 40s and 50s. And then into the, into the 60s. Listen to this. He was the, one of the first ministers ever to develop a national television broadcast. His ministry, this is mind-blowing to me. We're not talking 2020. We're not talking about 1990. Back in the 40s and 50s, his ministry produced over 60 million pieces of literature every year. And his magazine circulated to almost half a million homes. 
absolutely amazing. He bought a place and 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 for his ministry um, headquarters um, in Arizona, call and they called it Miracle Valley. Had his own landing strip for his plane. I mean, this this he was unprecedented in his time. But at the beginning of his ministry, he was having no miracles. He was seeing God do no supernatural things, and he was frustrated with his ministry. He was frustrated with the results. And so he made a, a choice, and that's what this book is a result of, this specific book. He said, I'm, I made a choice to lock myself into my prayer closet and pray. He said, I am not satisfied. I'm going to pray until I get this breakthrough, until I get a word from God, until we start seeing results the way we want to see them in the ministry. And he said, I failed a few times. You know, he got in there and his, his wife would cook or he'd get hungry and he'd come out and eat. And he was not, he was failing on the fasting and prayer. And so one day he just got obstinate. He said, I'm not coming out until I get a word. I'm not coming out until I get a word. There's a reason I'm mentioning this. Because that time when he went in, he said, Jesus appeared to me in that prayer closet. And this is the result. This book is the result, what he wrote after Jesus appeared. He said Jesus appeared to him and began to give him the steps that were necessary in order to see the supernatural break loose in his ministry. And he said he wrote those things down. And some of them, he said, were so personal that one of the chapters is just simply called personal things where he doesn't share the things that were personal about his life, but he deals with the fact that you will have to deal with personal things in your life. And after he received this revelation from Christ, this encounter with Christ, his miracle ministry blew up. I mean, just blew up. Those things that I listed to you began to happen for him. And um, the reason I say that is this. He says, I had an encounter with Jesus Christ himself. But remember something, just because someone says they have an encounter with Jesus Christ doesn't mean that they can just take those things at face value and not take the steps I'm going to teach today. For example, Brother Hagin said, if you've ever read the book, The Believer's Authority, you'll know that he was in that time of prayer. And um, as he was, and he, he had a vision of Jesus, very similar to what happened for Brother Allen. He had a vision of Jesus. And as Jesus is speaking to Brother Hagin, he said a demon came to interrupt that communication, that encounter. And he said it was like a little monkey-like creature that came in and got between he and Jesus and began to make noise and to distract and to move and make noise. And Brother Hagin started to get very irritated. And he was thinking to himself, that's right, Lewis. And that demon was going yakety, yak, 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 making noise so that he couldn't hear what Jesus was saying to him. And he knew, obviously, if you have an encounter with Jesus, there's nothing more important in your entire life. And so he said, uh, I started to get irritated that Jesus wasn't doing anything about it. It was just going on and on and on. And Jesus was speaking and I couldn't hear him and I was getting irritated. Why doesn't Jesus do something? He said, finally, he got so irritated that he spoke to that demon and said, get out in Jesus name. And he said, that demon kind of fell down and then ran out, ran out. Like it was whimpering. He said, like a little whipped puppy or a whipped dog whimpered and then ran out. He said, get out. 
And then the demon left. And then he had and resumed that communication with Christ. And Jesus said something to him that blew his mind. He said, if you hadn't done something about that, I couldn't have. And of course, you know the story of the believer's authority came from that. And it blew his mind. But remember something. As Jesus is telling him things, and this is what I want to get across to you. As Jesus is telling him things, he said, well, Lord, unless you show me three places in the word where this is the case, I'll not believe it. Now, this is Jesus talking to Brother Hagin. This is Jesus speaking to him. And he said, well, Lord, I know you're saying that. He said, but unless, and and what he said was, the thing, if you hadn't done something about that, I couldn't have. That's why he's like, I I thought I heard him wrong. I thought I heard heard him wrong. I thought he said, I wouldn't. He said, you said you wouldn't have, didn't you? He said, no, I couldn't have. And he said, now, Lord, I, I can't, I must, he, he made him repeat it multiple times. He said, well, Lord, you're going to have to show me three places in the word where this is the case, or I can't believe it, I can't receive it. And he said, Jesus did one better, he gave me four, and then showed him four different locations in the scripture. And so notice something here, even if you have an encounter with Jesus, you know, an angel, you have a, a dream, a spiritual, you don't just take it at face value. You've got to still take these steps. Somebody may come to you and say, I got a word for you, brother. (laughs) I got a word for you. I want to tell you something that the Lord spoke to me just for you. You still got to take these steps that I'm going to give you today. There's a right way and a wrong way to respond to a prophetic word. A right way and a wrong way. Today, I want to show you the right way to respond. And I'm going to give you some important steps that you must take. The reason I'm teaching this today is because as we're here in the midpoint of fasting and prayer, we're believing to receive a word from the Lord. That's one of the things we're believing for as we fast and pray, to receive a word from the Lord. Well, it may come in, in, in multiple different ways. You may have an experience. Now, I've not had it in this way where Jesus appeared directly to me. I've not had... Jesus appeared directly to me or an angel, but you may have that. That may be your story. I'm not going to say that can't happen for you. It may. But even if it happens that way, you still got to take these steps. Bonnie said, looking, but I don't see the book online. Help Tiffany? Question mark? Okay, we'll put the direct link in the the comments, okay, Um, for, for the Brother Allen book. You still got to take these steps, okay? I'm looking. Now, I want you to see something in Galatians before I start these steps. This is even what Paul said. Listen to this. Even Paul taught the same thing. He was irritated with the Galatians. And by the way, if you didn't know this, inside Bible Study Made Simple, we did a whole section on how to study a book of the Bible. And we chose Galatians as the book. And I I show you how to go through a book of the Bible and properly study an entire book. And we break all these things down by using the book of Galatians to do it. And that's available right now in Miracle Word University. If you go to MiracleWordU, the letter U, dot com, you can get in on that part or portion of the course uh, separately. We now offer it uh, a la carte. So if you want to go check it out, it'll help you a lot. But listen to me, Um, 
Paul says this, he's irritated with the Galatians because they switched what they believed after he gave them God's word. And so in, in uh, Galatians chapter 1, let me start reading um, in verse 6. He said, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want you to distort the gospel of Christ. But now look at verse 8. This is very powerful. But even if we, that's the apostles that are with him or him, or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Verse 9, as we've said to you, let uh, before, so I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. You see that? He said, even if I come back and tell you a different thing, even if an angel comes and tells you a different thing that's different than the word of God that came to you, let them be accursed. That word accursed in the, in the Greek there, uh, the word um, anathema, strongest pronou pronouncement of a, of a curse, one of the most derogatory terms. It basically means cursed uh, without hope of redemption. Let them be cursed to destruction. Anathema. Let them be cursed to destruction. And so he's saying, if I don't care if an angelic being shows up and gives you a different word. You don't receive a different word than the word of God. And so I want to give you these steps you need to take the right way to respond to a prophetic word. Don't, uh, it was Galatians, Mary Beth, chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Galatians chapter 1, I just read, verses 6 through 9. So, so get this now. There's a right way to respond. There's a wrong way to respond. Because the other side of this is that most likely, I say most likely, it's not going to be Jesus that appears to you. Most likely, it's not going to be an angel that appears to you. God uses people. God uses people. And the Bible tells us that the gifts of the Spirit are in operation in the church and that there are things called words of prophecy, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, tongues and interpretation of tongues, which can deliver a word to you. So most likely, you're going to get this word through another believer, whether that's a minister or another believer, operating in the gifts of the Spirit to deliver you a word from the Lord. Now, it may be a word of correction. It may be a word of direction, guidance, whatever. But most likely, the way God works through, we see it through his word and we, we understand how he set the church up. You are going to receive a word either from a it's going to be from a believer, most likely either a minister or another fellow believer that's going to give you a word. So what do you do? Because every one of us has to remember that God uses people. God uses human beings who are fallible, which means they can make mistakes. They can make mistakes. This is, this is the area that people don't get um, that aren't you know, people that are outside the Pentecostal and charismatic group, people in the reformed camp and others, they'll say, well, if you speak from God, then see, God doesn't get it wrong. God doesn't get it wrong. And so you can't say you speak from God 
two things they say. Number one, how can it be wrong? How could it ever, how could someone ever miss it if it's from God? It would be the right thing. Number two, if somebody truly is speaking from God, it would be on par with scripture. It would be on par with scripture because anytime God spoke to someone in the, in the Bible, it became scripture. That's their argument. But remember something, prophecy in the New Testament is not the same as prophecy in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, nobody was filled with the Holy Spirit. God couldn't just randomly lead you and guide you by your spirit like he does today. Why? Because people couldn't have the Holy Spirit inhabiting them. Their bodies weren't ready for it. That's why Jesus said, um, you can't put new wine into old wine skins. They'd burst. People had to be regenerated and saved, redeemed, before the Holy Spirit could be released into them. Or else they're they couldn't handle it. Their spirits weren't ready for it. And so that, that was the case. But in the New Testament, we have the Holy Ghost. He can lead us and guide us. Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So we can be led by the Spirit, but in the Old Testament, prophecy was different. It was so vital because a prophet was guiding, many times, a nation of people. A nation of people were responding to a prophetic word from one man. And so you know what the penalty was. If, if the prophecy was a false prophecy, what would happen? They would kill the prophet. There's many people in the body of Christ today lifting their hands, thanking God that's not the case in 2024. If the prophecy was false, a wrong prophecy, they'd kill the prophet. They'd kill the prophet. But not in the New Testament. Not in the New Testament. In the New Testament, it's different. In the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the Bible says prophecy can be judged. Prophecy can be judged. Yeah. And if you read through 1 Corinthians 14, it says, let someone prophesy and then let the others who are sitting by judge what's being said. Judge what's being said. So the, in the body of Christ, we have the ability in the New, New Testament for prophecy to be judged. We understand people can make mistakes, people can miss it. They may get in their flesh and tell you something that they think is from God, but it's not actually from God. Judge it. You're, because let me, let me give you this, write it in the comments, write it in your notes. In the New Testament, we are not led by prophets, we are led by the Spirit. Put that in the comments. We are not led by prophets or prophecy, we're led by the Spirit. Very powerful. We're not led by prophets or prophecy. We're led by the Spirit. Now, prophecy is one of the ways that the Spirit of God may lead you, but then here's the question that everybody has. How do I know if that's a word from God or if that person is missing it? How do I know if that prophecy is a word from God or if that person is missing it? <laughs> one time... We were in Texas, and um, <laughs> I had the team with me at a revival, and in the middle of a service, I had um, I had the whole team, so Tiffany was there, 
Uh, Jenna was there. Ralph was there. I believe Zach was there. I think everybody was at that meeting, right, Tiff? It was Alex, too. Every, everybody was there. Yeah, I think we had the entire team there. And uh, in the at the end of one of the services, a lady came up to Jenna and had a word for her. And she began to tell her, you are anointed to be a writer. And you're going to write blogs. And you're going to write. And she's going through all this stuff. And Jenna simply said to her, no, you've missed it. I hate writing. <laughs> I hate writing. It's not my calling. The Lord's never told me to write. I have no leading to write. It's not, it's not, that's not for me. You've missed it. Well, uh, the same lady, and keep it right there because I want to answer that question after this story. The same lady then comes up to my wife, Carolyn, and says to her, now, you've, you're depressed, you've been down, you know, you're, you, and it starts giving her all these words and Carolyn's like, nope, no, you, she said, no, I, as I was praying, I knew this in my spirit that you're depressed, you're down, you've been low. And, and, and Carolyn goes, nope, you need to go back and pray again. <laughs> you need to keep praying. And the lady was like, you know, I guess nobody had ever responded to her the way Jenna and Carolyn responded to her about the words that she'd given people. But after she said that to Carolyn, she said, I'm not depressed at all. I'm not down at all. I'm not discouraged at all. You've missed it. That's not a, a right word. And the lady goes, well, I don't mean right now. I mean, at some time in your life. He's like, oh yeah, really? So sometime through the last 40 years, there may have been a time where I was down. What a word from God. What a specific word from God. You're saying sometime in the last 40 years of my life, I may have felt discouraged. Wow. What a prophetic word. No, sometimes people truly are in their flesh. Or they want to look like they're operating in the spirit. It's actually a form of pride. And it's not the Holy Ghost. Carolyn said, I'm not discouraged. I'm not down. I'm not depressed. I'm full of joy. You've missed it. You've missed it. Well, what was she doing? What was Jenna doing? It's not that they weren't walking in love. They were doing what 1 Corinthians 14 said. They're judging what's being said. They're judging what's being said. You don't receive, I'll say that in a minute. Let me look at this question. Do you think people today confused, uh, I think you mean their prophecy, with words of wisdom and words of knowledge? Do I think people today in the body of Christ confuse prophecy, I know, I know you meant there, with words of wisdom and words of knowledge? Not, not necessarily, possible. it's possible. I'll say it's possible, Denise, because uh, a word of wisdom can speak to the future. A word of wisdom speak to the future, something that you should do. So it's possible. Words of knowledge reveal things from the past and the present. That's what a word of knowledge does. It reveals things that the speaker could not have known from the past or from the present. The word of wisdom speaks to the future, but prophecy can also speak to the future. But look, according to 1 Corinthians 14, that in the New Testament, prophecy is for edification. It's to build you up. It's for encouragement. It's for comfort. It's for edification, to build you up, to encourage you, for comfort. So if, if somebody keeps giving you a prophetic word and all it does is it brings fear, it brings trepidation. It brings doubt, unbelief about the future. What's God? I don't know how it's going to work out. That's not a word from God. 
God is not giving you words that don't bring comfort. He's not giving you words that don't bring encouragement. Now, they may bring conviction, but conviction, when obeyed, brings comfort. It brings encouragement. So it's possible, Denise, you can, you can keep scrolling through the comments. It's possible. For example, somebody came up to my father and said, he was sitting in a church service and somebody came up to him and said, Brother Shuttlesworth, the Lord shows me that you're going to drown this summer. That was the word that the lady gave my dad. The Lord shows me, Brother Ted, that you're going to drown this summer. <laughs> he said, you know how I know that's not a word for God, from God? She said, how do you know? He said, because I can swim. I can swim. <laughs> you're going to drown this summer. Word of prophecy to you. Wow, how powerful. I receive it. Amen. I receive it. And so I say that to say this. We're not led by prophets or specifically prophecy because sometimes like these, it may come to you. It's not a word of prophecy. However, true prophecy is one of the ways the Holy Spirit leads his children. A word of wisdom is one of the ways that the Holy Spirit leads his children. But remember something. We're not led by people. We're led by the Holy Ghost, though the Holy Ghost uses people. So there's got to be a way that we know. How can we judge these things? How do we, how do we respond the right way to a word of prophecy? Well, here's step one, and I want you to put it in the comments, put it in your notes. Number one, when a word comes to you, first of all, this is the, this is the foundational thing. Be open to the moving of the Spirit. We want to seek after the move of the Spirit. Be open and hungry for the move of the Spirit. Do you know why? As I mentioned before, there's churches today that don't even believe the Holy Spirit is operating in the same way that he did in the early church. There are people called cessationists. They believe that the Holy Spirit has ceased in certain functions like the apostolic gifts. They don't believe that he functions in that, those roles anymore, that he does those things to people anymore because now the church is established. Now we have the completed canon of scripture. So we don't need those apostolic gifts anymore. But the Holy Spirit didn't change. Jesus didn't change. And God, the father did not change. Jesus is the same. God doesn't change. The Holy Ghost is the same. So number one, it's a mistake. I have people say, well, you know, this is a church that you know, that's been around. I didn't really find, have a good church. This is a church that doesn't really believe in that stuff, but you know, it's close to our house. Stop going there. Stop going to a church that doesn't preach the full gospel and doesn't believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm always blown away. People opt for convenience over the power of God. Convenience over proper doctrine. Stop doing that. Don't go to a church like that. If, I did a broadcast one time about multiple reasons why you need to leave a church. That's one of them. If you're in a church that doesn't believe in the moving of the Holy Ghost, if you're in a church that doesn't believe that God's still doing what he did in the early church, get out of that church. Because you need to be in a place that is not only open to the moving of the Spirit, but seeking the move of the Spirit. We want, at Miracle Word Church, we're not just, well, we're open to God moving if he wants to. No, we're actively seeking manifestations of God's power. We're actively seeking 
the manifestations of God's power. We're pursuing it. Amen. So, be open to the Holy Spirit. Number one, you got to be open to the moving of the Holy Ghost. You say, why is that? If, if I or anybody else was to go up to one of those people in those circles, those types of churches, and tried to give them a word from the Lord, they would immediately reject. No, 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 no. Don't, don't. Just be quiet. God doesn't speak like that anymore. He's not giving prophecies. He's not speaking that way. So just don't even talk to me. They'd shut it right down immediately. They'd shut it right down because they don't believe in it. So any person that wants to properly respond to a word from God has to believe that God is still functioning in this way. He's still doing these things and they're open to the moving of the Holy Spirit and they're seeking the manifestations of God's power and the moving of the Holy Spirit. So that's number one. Number two, when a word comes to you, when a word comes to you, and as I said, most likely uh, it's going to come to you 99.9% of the time from another believer, whether that be a minister, a pastor, a spiritual leader, or a fellow believer, because every believer can operate in the gifts of the spirit. Every believer can operate in the gifts of the spirit. So when that word comes to you, the first thing you got to do at that point, and this is point number two, consider that word. Consider that word. And more than that, consider, you may want to consider the vessel, the person. <laughs> My father asked Brother Shambach one time, R.W. Shambach, powerful man of God, who's now in heaven, and uh my, my father asked him, Brother Shambach, have you ever done anything based upon a prophetic word that you got from someone? Have you ever done anything or made a, a decision based on a prophetic word that you got from somebody? He said, if I had confidence in the one giving the word. If I had confidence in the one giving the word. Now, the Bible does say to know those that labor among you. And so that's why you may not know every single person that interacts with you. You know, I may go somewhere and uh, somebody speaks to me. I have not known them for 20 years. I've not known them for 30 years. I may just be meeting them for the very first time. And they tell me, the Lord, I, I, you know, I know we don't know each other, but the Lord uh, want, wants me to say this to just, you know, and a lot of times they'll say something like, see, see if this makes sense to you. See if there's this bears witness with your spirit, whatever they may say. And that's if they're humble. I know we don't know each other, but the, I really feel in my spirit to give you this word, you know, just do it, do what you will with it, but I have to give it to you. Well, I don't know the person I, I've not known them for 20 years. I don't know their background. I don't know their track record. I don't even know if they live holy. I don't know anything about them. So in those instances, you're not going to be able to consider the vessel or the person as much, but you've got to consider the word they give. You've got to consider the word they give. Now, there are some times, like with, in the case of my wife, that you'll know right off the bat, what you're saying to me is untrue. What you're saying to me is untrue. I'm not depressed. I'm not discouraged. I'm not down. I don't feel like quitting. I'm full of joy. I'm full of strength. I'm running forward. I'm accomplishing my purpose. The word you're giving me is not for me. Maybe you missed the per, maybe the word is wrong, or maybe you missed it and gave it to the wrong person, but it's not for me. So I'm considering it, right? 
just even allowing, just even listening to the word humbly. So that takes humility. Can I give you a word? No, you can't speak to me. I only receive words from so-and-so. I only re- okay, there's a humility. One of the greatest lessons in humility that I ever saw happen was when a well-known minister from the United States traveled to Nigeria to hold a crusade. One of the people on the platform of the crusade was Pastor Enoch Adeboye. And if you've heard me talk about his ministry at all, this is the man who's the general overseer of the redeemed Christian Church of God. The building that I've shown you before that can house millions of people, three kilometers by three kilometers. It's a, it's, they have churches in 160 nations of the world. It's massive. And they do have millions gather when they have their Holy Ghost services or their Pentecostal Congress. They do have that. And um, this is a man that has shaken the world, Pastor Adeboye. Australia had lifted the ban on same-sex marriage. Pastor Adeboye went there, held a two-week crusade called Let the Wind Blow. And after two weeks, they, they put the ban back on same-sex marriage in Australia at that time. I mean, he's shaken nations. When he came to Canada, there was a handwritten letter from the prime minister the year he came to, 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 to Canada. And at the door, in the packet you got before you went to your seat, the letter from the prime minister was there welcoming Pastor Attaboy and his team to Canada. It's a man that's shaken the world. And uh, this minister came and all puffed, I won't mention who it was, but all puffed up, turns around, and says almost, I mean, condescendingly to Pastor Attaboy, now they tell me you have a big ministry, but I, I don't know who you are. Well, first of all, that was untrue because Pastor Attaboy was the man that helped this preacher set the whole crusade up. <clears throat> and secondly, if you're going, it would be impossible to not know who he is. <laughs> so they tell me you've got a big ministry. I don't know who you are, but I want you to kneel down and receive a word from me. Okay. Well, first of all, that preacher was out of line because the Bible is clear that the lesser does not impart to the greater, the greater imparts to the lesser. So that was out of line for him to turn around and say, I want you to kneel down and receive this impartation from me. No, you need to be receiving impartation from him. And so, but I looked at that and here's Pastor Attaboye has millions of people coming to his meetings, shaking the world, but Pastor Attaboye just quietly knelt down and bowed his head to receive. A man that had no business. This is a man that far more impactful, far more impactful, especially now. And if I told you who the minister was, you'd know what I'm talking about. Far more impactful than the minister who's acting all pridefully, but notice something. The man, Pastor Attaboy, was humble to receive. So in his mind, if there is a word from God that can come to me, if there is truly something I can hear from the Lord, I want to hear it. I want to receive it. So you know what he did by humility? Considered it. Considered it. He was willing to kneel down and listen 
and to receive. And if it's from God, it's going to help you. If it's from God, it will help you. I remember watching the tapes when, um, past, uh, when Pastor Rodney Howard Brown went to Rama Bible Church and was holding revival in Rama Bible Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, in the crowd one night was Dr. Oral Roberts. And he was older even at that time. And, and, and Brother Richard Roberts was there. Oral Roberts and Richard Roberts. And um, Doc, Pastor Rodney was honoring Brother Oral Roberts and uh, had him come to the platform. And listen to how humble Brother Oral Roberts was. Came to the platform and was telling everybody that this, you know, what a move of God. God's moving, God's using this man, Pastor Rodney Howard Brown. And I believe he was in his 30s at the time, Pastor Rodney, in his 30s. But then Dr. Oral Roberts said, I believe, Dr. Rodney, that you have a word for me. You have a word for me. That's humility. That's humility. And then the power of God began to move, and Dr. Rodney gave Dr. Oral Roberts a powerful word from the Lord. And I've seen it on video, and he's played it at the church, and I believe you could probably find it on YouTube. Gave him a powerful word from the Lord. But look at Dr. Oral Roberts. Even though he's much older, you know, towards the end of his ministry, he was humble to consider it, to receive. So understand something. Point number two, number one, you got to be open, but number two, consider the word that comes to you. Don't ever get so prideful that you won't even listen to what somebody has to say. This is the right way to respond to a prophetic word. Somebody may come to you and say, I feel to, to speak this to you. Thank you. I have people that speak into my life. I don't need it. That's how some people respond. No, no, thank you. I have people that speak to me. I don't, I don't receive words from everybody. Okay, you don't have to receive it, but consider it. What if God truly is using a willing vessel because God can use anyone? So what if God truly is using a willing vessel? Doesn't mean you have to receive it and run with it. Just because somebody says something to you doesn't mean you have to receive that word and make it a part of your vision statement and run with it for the next 20 years. It doesn't work like that. But what if, here's a question, what if there was a one in a thousand chance that God had a word for you through this willing vessel that stepped out by faith to come and speak to you? What if there was a one in a thousand chance that really was a word from God that would change your life or family? Wouldn't you be willing to hear what that word was? And so it takes humility, meekness, to consider it. You consider the vessel, the source. You consider the word. Now, I don't mean you have to let everybody lay hands on you. I don't allow that. The Bible says don't lay hands on any man suddenly. I don't let anybody just lay hands on me. So I, I feel to lay hands on you and de declare, no, you're not laying hands on me. That's a different story altogether. And that's not because of pride or anything like that. You don't do it. The Bible says you don't do it. So I'm not talking about laying hands and imparting because I don't know you and I don't let everybody impart to me. I do have men that impart to me. You're not one of them because I don't know you. I don't even know what you'd be giving me. I don't even know what you'd be giving me. So that's different. But if somebody wants to come and speak to you and share a word that they feel in their spirits from the Lord for your life, for your ministry, consider it. It takes humility. It takes meekness. So that's number two. When, when a word comes to you, consider it. If you can consider the vessel because you know them or you have a relationship, then also consider the vessel. 
You may have somebody that's just a nut, and you know they're nuts. You've known them for 20 years, and they run around town giving everybody a word, and, and it never comes to pass. Well, consider the vessel. But you'll not always be able to do that. You'll not always be able to look and say, well, I know this person. They give, it, they give everybody and their brother a word, and you know, you may not know that. But consider the word. Number three, third thing you got to do, how to rightly respond to a prophetic word. The third thing is you weigh it. The third thing is you weigh it. This is so vital. So vital. That's why, and this is what uh, Brother Hagin said when he said, Lord, unless you show me in the word three places where this is in your word, I can't receive it. So every word that comes to you has to be weighed against what God's word says. Not every word is going to go, uh, so for example, if, if a word's not for you, right? If a word is not for you, it may not be because it's contradicting the written word of God. And we'll get to that in a minute. Like for example, my wife. Now, there could be someone in the room that was discouraged and that was uh, feeling like throwing in the towel and they needed that word, be encouraged, don't quit. That, that is something that you would do that's scriptural. You don't, you know, strengthen yourself in the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, keep running. Don't quit. Don't fear. You know, that is a word from God, but it wasn't for her. She's not discouraged. She's not ready to throw in the towel. She's not depressed. And so that would have been a scriptural word to give to somebody if that was the case. It wasn't the case for her. But then somebody may give you a word and, and it has something doctrinal attached to it. That's why Brother Hagin, he'd never heard that kind of revelation before. He'd never understood the believer's authority before like that. And he'd never seen that in the Bible. So he said, Lord, unless you show me in the word, I can't receive this. The Lord said, I'll show you four places that you can consider. And took him right to passages of scripture. Right? I give unto you all authority over all the power of the devil. Tread on serpents and scorpions. Yeah, it took him to Luke 10, 19. Oh, I've never seen it like that before. I have the authority. I have the authority. So sometimes somebody may give you a word and it doesn't line up with God's word. So the first thing you got to do after you consider it is, and this is point number three, you got to weigh it. How do we weigh it? We always weigh it against the written word of God. Put it in the notes and comments like this. Every prophetic word must be weighed against the written word of God. This right here is the measuring stick. This is the yardstick. God is not going to, by the Holy Spirit, give you a word that contradicts his written word. Never is going to happen. It's never going to happen. God will not give you a prophetic word by the Holy Ghost that contradicts his written word. It will never happen, ever. So if, if you do get a word that comes to you and it contradicts God's word, then guess what? It's not from God. That's an easy exit off the list, not from the Holy Ghost. Discard it. Discard it. Discard it. If it doesn't line up with God's word. I'll give you an example. If somebody came to you and said, now, 
the Lord just spoke a word to me. Now, I've heard preachers do this, and, and they'll answer to God for it. They will answer to God for it. The Lord just spoke to me. I've seen preachers on TV do it. The Lord just spoke to me. And I, if you remember me telling this, I was watching TV when this came to pass. I saw it come right up on my Christian television. The Lord speaks to me for every person who's watching me right now. If you'll call that number on your screen and sow a $66 seed, a six-month healing anointing is coming upon your life. <laughs> Think about that. This is a, this actually, I was ready to throw my shoe at the television. If you'll call that number on the screen and sow that $66 seed, there's a six-month healing anointing coming upon your life. Okay, that's a word you got from the Holy Ghost. Show me that in the scripture. Show me that in the Bible. When was there any prophet or Jesus or any apostle or any church that their healing had to be attached to a financial seed they sowed? I know, Liz, six months only for 66 bucks? What if I needed healing in the seventh month? The first thing I said when I heard him say that, I didn't know the anointing had an expiration date. <laughs> I didn't know the anointing had an expiration date. It doesn't. Jesus already paid the price. Angie said, I didn't have an understanding. Scroll back up. I didn't have an understanding of this. Uh, years ago when I was believing for a baby, someone spoke over me and my emotions received it and it didn't come to pass and it almost destroyed my walk with God. Yeah, that's what can happen. That's, what can, that's why we don't play with the gifts of the Spirit. We don't play around. We don't play around. And so understand something today. That you may hear somebody say that. There's a guy in New York. I won't mention his name either, though he will. If he makes heaven, it'll be a miracle. He's on television. And if you call in, what level of prophetic word you can receive from him is based on the level of offering you give. <laughs> I would hate to be him standing before God on judgment day. The level, and now, if you want the special, and you can get a word for 100 bucks, but if you want the special prophetic word, it's a $1,000 seed to get that special prophetic word. I, I can't even imagine standing before God being him. Ooh, Gabriel said, I saw an offering taken. Seven offerings of $77, and the seventh time, the walls of your life will fall. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Foolishness. Absolute foolishness. That's not in the Bible. Let me tell you what is in the Bible. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. I don't have to give money for demons to leave. I don't have to give money for healing to come. That's not how sowing and reaping works. I sow finances. Guess what's coming back? Not healing, finances. That's like sowing apple seeds and expecting orange trees to grow. Man, I got these apple seeds. I can't wait to eat these cucumbers when they grow up out of the ground. It doesn't work like that. Seed time and harvest. A seed reproduces after its own kind. If I sow a financial seed, then finances are coming back. Healing's already purchased for us. Deliverance is already purchased for us. Power has already been given to us. You have to sow seed for it. So you can look in the Word and say, that's not in the Bible. So what do you do? You weigh it. You weigh it against the Word of God. Okay? Then the next thing you need to do is, is listen to this, because this is very important. Very, very important. Very, very important. 
after you weigh it according to the scripture, weigh it again. Put that in. Number four, weigh it again. But the second time we weigh it, what are we weighing it against? The Holy Spirit who lives in us. Does that word bear witness with my spirit? Does that word bear witness with my spirit? Weigh it again. If it doesn't contradict God's word, okay, go to the next step. Does it bear witness with my spirit? Because remember something, you have the Holy Ghost too. You have the Holy Ghost too. Meaning, as my father has preached for years, God doesn't have an unlisted phone number. You can call him for yourself. You're not depending on someone else to give you a word to guide your life. You've got the Holy Ghost. You're led by the Spirit. Now, God will still use people to speak a word. But you know what you're going to find out? If you're a person who's led by the Holy Spirit, you're going to find out that when somebody gives you a word that many, many, many times it is simply going to just confirm what you've been hearing the Holy Spirit say to you. Many times that word that comes to you is going to be a confirmation, an encouragement of what the Holy Ghost has already said to you. Think, think about that. Many times. Let me give you an example of this. I know what I'm called to do. I, I know it. I don't care if the most powerful minister that I, that I know or the most powerful minister with the biggest ministry, most impactful comes to me and says, the Lord is speaking to you. You're to go to whatever country and begin to build orphanages or you're, you're to go to begin to set up clinics. You're to go and dig water, you know, wells for these people to have water. There's a word coming to you. You're to leave America and go and move to this country and start digging wells and building clinics. Let me tell you something. I ain't packing my bags. I'm not packing my bags. I'm not leaving the thing the Holy Ghost told me to do. Are you telling me that I've spent the last 20 years in this ministry and I've spent the last 40, 35 years of my life as a Christian and the last 35, 36 years of my life filled with the Holy Ghost and I've never one time in my life heard the Holy Spirit tell me to go and live in another country and dig wells and build clinics. I've never had that encouragement. I've never had that leading. I've never had that guidance one time from the Holy Ghost in my life. And I fast and pray. And I've never once, and I'm led to do other things. He speaks to me to do other things. But I've never had him say that to me one time in my whole life. Never. Not once. So somebody's going to come give me a word that's going to alter my whole life, that's going to alter my whole family? No. If there's something that that's, that's that vital about my life, guess what? The Holy Spirit is already going to lead me in that direction. And I'm going to say, you know what? For the last six months, I've been having this drawing to this country, and I didn't know why. I was having this drawing. I felt that we're supposed to go there, and it made no sense to my mind. I didn't understand it, and I felt that we're supposed to go and, and, and move our family. And I was like, that's crazy. I can't. And every time I pray in the Holy Ghost, I keep getting this, this leading to, to go to this country and go to this country, and I can't understand why because I live in the United States. And, and then you get a word from somebody, you're supposed to go to this country. Oh, lights flash. I've been feeling the leading to go to this country. 
for the last six months and I can't explain it and I don't know why. And then someone gives you a word. You're supposed to go to this country and this is what you're supposed to do. Boom, it all makes sense. This is why I've been feeling. This is why the leading's been there. That's why there's been this uncomfortable word in my spirit that I'm supposed to move from where I am and go. Yeah, that's because the Holy Ghost has already been leading you. And then the word comes and becomes a confirmation. It would be a very rare thing that the Holy Ghost would come to you and give you a word that you've never heard before from him. Why would he come and give you a word if he's already in here? Why does he need to send somebody else that also has him to give you a word you've, that he's never even whispered to you one time? That's, that's not how the Holy Spirit works. We're led by the Spirit. We are led by the Spirit, not by prophets. We're not led by the, we're led by the Spirit. Will he use the gifts of the Spirit to guide it? Yes, he will. Yes, he will. But for him to come and give you some word you've never even heard any inkling of it in your spirit one time, and then boom, out of the blue, <laughs> that's when you weigh it against your spirit. Weigh it against your spirit. Somebody came. Somebody gave me a word one time. I had a dream. I had a dream this, this, and this. It didn't, bear, it didn't bear any witness with my spirit. I was getting ready to take off on a plane. I got a call from somebody. Now, I'm humble. I want people, if they feel something in their spirit that they need to share with me, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. So I'm not, this is not me being arrogant or this is not me being, I'm not mocking this, but I got a call from somebody one time and they said, um, I had a dream. And in the dream, you know, um, you know, you were arrested or something for, uh, you know, uh, and your kids were taken from you because you were abusing your kids or you were beating your kids or somebody uh, accused you of this or whatever and, and, and your kids were taken from you. That bears no witness in my spirit. I've never, first of all, probably because I don't beat my kids. But, but second of all, think about that. Where's the, uh, as the New Testament teaches, where's the encouragement? Where's the edification? Where's the exhortation? Does that word bring a peace? Does it bring a joy? Does it bring a strength? Does it bring a building up? That doesn't mean you can't receive words of warning. Of course you can receive words of warning. Of course you can. But sometimes what will happen is, is that you'll have something that maybe nobody knows about, like Brother Allen said. I had personal things. that Brother Allen said, I had personal things that the Lord dealt with me about before I could have a miracle ministry. He didn't list what they were, but Jesus spoke to him. The Holy Ghost came. Somebody may give you a word. And it's something that you already know about that you've been dealing with or whatever. But that's not something I knew about. That's not something I've been dealing with. And, and by the way, that's been years ago. It never came to pass. And I'm thankful it never came to pass. <laughs> but even, in, even when I received that word, it didn't bear witness with my spirit. Did not bear witness with my spirit. And so, you know, I'm humble enough to hear it. I'll consider it. I'll weigh it. And then I'll weigh it again. But I didn't. Nothing came to pass, and it didn't bear witness with my spirit. And so, what do you do? You listen to it, give the person a chance to speak what they say God showed them, whether it be in a vision, a dream, or in their spirit. And then, if it doesn't bear witness, then just discard it after you listen to it humbly. Obina says, Pastor Ted, what about large ministries with many campuses? What if a pastor is transferred to a different location? He had no leading to go to. What does he, she do? Well, if you've submitted yourself to that leadership and that's how that leadership functions, then you just simply obey and do what you're hired to do. Because you chose 
to be submitted to that leadership. And that's how that leadership functions. That's how Bishop Oyedepo's ministry functions. He has many churches, but they'll send pastors to different locations, including his son. His son was being sent to different locations and went to the uh, location in Maryland here in the United States, went back to London, went to different places. That's how, if that's how the leadership functions, then that's what you do. Your choice is to be connected. You don't have to be connected to that leadership, but you've chosen to be. So if you're going to submit to a leadership, then do what they say. Otherwise, if the Holy Spirit's leading you, you shouldn't be there anymore. Then you got to go somewhere else. <laughs> Grace said, someone showed up at my wedding and told me I was supposed to marry someone else that was already married. Probably not a word from God. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Someone gave Jeff a word a couple years ago when he was at Christmas gathering, gave it to him. And I was right there. After they were done, uh, I, I asked my husband, did that bear witness with you? Yeah, and if it doesn't, that's the thing. <clears throat> uh, Beverly says, if it doesn't bear witness currently, could it be a future word? Maybe you've heard somebody say this phrase before. Put it on the shelf. Shelve it. Shelve it. Leave it there. Now, that's only if it doesn't contradict God's written word. And if it doesn't contradict the word, but you don't know of anything of that, uh, you don't know anything yet that, that that could bear with it, just put it on the shelf. It may come back later and you may remember, oh, that person gave me a word about that. That person gave me a word about that. I gave a word to somebody one time and uh, they were pregnant. I don't think I knew they were pregnant because it was the very beginning stages of their pregnancy. And I said, um, the Lord shows me. And, and I can't remember because it was a while back. I may have known, but they had seen no issues in their pregnancy. And I said, the Lord shows me, don't receive any word about problems with this pregnancy. It'll be an easy pregnancy and the pregnancy, whatever. And they'd not had any negative uh, reports about their pregnancy. Then later on towards the end of the pregnancy, they did get a word from their doctor that was discouraging, that was frightening. But they said... Brother Ted, when, when we got that word from the doctor, it took my mind back to when you gave me that prophetic word in that service and you told me, don't receive any negative word over this pregnancy. It's going to be the smoothest delivery and all that. And they had the baby. So put it on the shelf. Put it on the shelf. And so you need to weigh it again. Then if you feel, all right, this is from the Holy Ghost. This is truly from the Holy Ghost. Don't forget, you've got to then... Do two more things. Decide, what am I going to do with this word? What am I going to do with this word? Did you know the Apostle Paul had to do that? Did you know, it seems as though, if you read the scripture, this is interesting, it seems as though God may have been giving the Apostle Paul an opportunity to minister for a longer period of time. Maybe you've never seen this in the scripture before. It, it may be possible, if you read the book of Acts, that God was giving the Apostle Paul a longer period of time to minister because as he was getting ready to go, uh, the Bible says the prophet Agabus came and took a belt, wrapped it around, Paul, uh, uh, wrapped it around the hands and said, the man whose belt this is, if you go to this place, you will be wrapped up like this, confined, taken. He's giving him a warning about what was going to happen. He'd be arrested. I'll finally end up in Rome and then executed. 
And, they, and, the Bible, and the Bible says all of the believers who loved Paul begged him, don't go, don't go, don't go. Agabus gave him a prophetic word. If you go, you're going to be captured. You're going to be taken. You're going to be... And you know what Paul said? I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I'm going anyway. Did God give a prophetic warning to Paul? Yes. Yes. Yes, he did. If you go, this is what's going to happen. If you go... You're going to be taken. You're going to be arrested. You're going to be captured. And finally, you'll be executed. Yes. But you know what Paul said? Paul didn't say, well, I hear that word. I'm not going to go yet. I'll keep ministering. I'll keep doing stuff here. God gave him that word from Agabus. But Paul said, nope, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to be put into chains. I'm ready. I'm ready. And so what did he do? He decided. He decided. There may be times in your life where the Holy Spirit lets you make a choice. He gives you a word to let you make a choice. Did for Paul, he may do it for you. So you've got to decide. But then when you receive, now listen here, here's, here's the next thing. When you receive that prophetic word, begin to thank and praise God for it. But then final thing here, I want you to put it in, the final step. A prophetic word, when it comes to you, you receive it. Don't just sit back and say, well, whenever God's ready, this thing will come to pass. No, then pursue it. Then pursue it with everything you've got. Pursue it whenever, with everything you've got. Let, let me tell you, when the Lord spoke to me that I was called to be a preacher, I said, well, God, you know, I, believe, I just believe if God you know, wants me to be a preacher, then one day he'll just open a pulpit for me. No, the first thing I did when I was able to do it is I went to Bible school. Why was I going to Bible school? To pursue the prophetic word that was over my life. I'm pursuing the prophetic word. So I got a word. I knew I was called into ministry. I knew I was called to preach. So what did I do? Pursued it by going to Bible school. After I got out of Bible school, what did I do? I pursued it by taking every, and I prayed and fasted until doors started to open. Prayed and fasted and said, God, open doors. This is your, and then as soon as doors were open, I ran through them. I didn't care how big, how small. I ran through them. I mean, one of the ones that I took, one of the first things that I did is that my high school, when I got back in between my two years of Bible school, uh, my high school said, would you come and preach at the Bible club at, this, at the high school? I said, well, no, I only do crusades. I only do revi multi-night revivals. No. I said, opportunity, ding, 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 open door. I'm pursuing my calling. I'm pursuing. Of course I'll come. I'll be there. When God gave my wife and I a prophetic word to start the church, I didn't just say, well, the Lord's called us to pastor. I just believe that if that's truly a word from the Lord, then somebody's going to have me take over a church or they'll offer me a pastoral position somewhere in the United States. No, I knew. Not only did I know what I was supposed to do, we knew where we were supposed to do it, even though that didn't make sense. So you know what we didn't do? Well, I just believe somebody in West Palm Beach is going to call us up and offer us the, uh, you know, maybe there's a pastor that's retiring in West Palm Beach and they're going to call me up and say, you know, would you come be the pastor of my church? No. When we got that word, we started to pursue that word. We went after it. We went after it. We knew the prophetic word. We went after it and we pursued it and we took active steps to bring that thing to pass active steps to bring that thing to pass. When God gives you a word, pursue it. Pursue it. 
pursue it. Do everything you can. Let me say this, pursuing it looks, looks like something. What does it look like? It's not just taking active steps to go do that thing and to see that thing come to pass. It is also making sure you don't take steps that pull you from it. Oh, this is so good for somebody today. If you stuck around to the end of this, you're getting gold at the end of this broadcast. You're getting gold right now. It doesn't mean just pursuing, taking steps to see that see it come to pass and move in that direction. This is very important. It, it means don't take steps that pull you away from that word coming to pass. You say, well, what does that look like? If I knew I was called to preach and I knew I was called to be full-time in the ministry and I knew I, I got to go to Bible school, then this is why I don't understand. Parents don't understand this, so they tell their kids, well, you know, uh, I think it would be good if you did, you know, four years at a, 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 a university and got a degree first. And once you've got the degree under your belt that you could fall back on if ministry doesn't work out, then, you know, then it would be good to go to Bible school. It's like, no, that's not what God said. That's not pursuing the call. Go and get a, a, a business administration degree at some school somewhere. Well, you know, I'm going to go get my psychology degree first and I'll make sure that I have that under my belt and then I'll go to Bible school. No, no, that is you taking steps that pull you away from the prophetic word that's over your life. Don't do that. Don't do that. Pursue the word. When I got a word that said, uh, go launch a church in West Palm Beach, I didn't say, you know, I think we should move to Tulsa. No. Why would I go and take uh, 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 actions or steps or make plans that pull me away from the prophetic word that's over my life. You know, the, the Lord told us to launch a church in West Palm Beach, but you know what? I'm really feeling that we're supposed to move to D Washington, D.C. I feel like something's there. Something's going to happen. There. No, the Lord told us what to do. Now pursue that word. Stop taking steps that pull you away from the prophetic word that's over your life. It's like when I when I uh, I told you yesterday, somebody came up to me at an altar one time in a revival and said, "You know, um, would you pray for me?" The Lord called me to minister uh, 22 years ago, and I, I'm really believing that's going to come to pass. It's like, dude, you've been waiting 22 years to step out on the word God gave you. You've waited too long, and God has a plan, and I'm sure He called somebody else in your place by now. Don't do that. Pursue it. Pursue it. And finally, trust God the whole way. That's big. Trust God the whole way. There's so many times, I mean, we, my wife and I were talking about it the other night. People don't know. The average person that just goes about life and, and, and leans on natural understanding and leans on natural resource, they don't know what it, it's like to 100% live a life of faith. And I'm just getting started. I wasn't even thinking of it in that context when I was starting out taking in $6,800 for the first year of my ministry. I wasn't even thinking about that. I wasn't even thinking about that. But can I tell you something? <clears throat> something hits you when you look back and you're like, man, this is a life of faith. This is a life of faith. <clears throat> Trust God the whole way. Don't look unto men, look unto God. It brings a curse when you put your trust in men, in flesh. It brings a curse on your life. Jeremiah 17, 5. Cursed is the man who puts his trust in the arm of flesh and in doing so turns his back on God. Cursed is the man 
who puts his trust in the arm of flesh and in doing so turns his back on God. I refuse to turn my back on God by putting my trust in men, in, in, in man-made systems. My trust is not in the government, please. My trust is not in a corporation somewhere. My trust is not in the stock market or the economy. My trust is not even in the, co- I'll tell you, this, this makes people, this blows people's minds. You know, I'm thankful for the partners of this ministry, but my trust, my faith is not in the partners of this ministry. That's why you don't hear me get on and say, we're only able to do these things because of the partners of this ministry. No, it's, that's not the reason we're able to do, do these things. And thank God for every partner. We pray for every partner on a weekly basis. But our trust is not in the partners of this ministry. It's on God. It's on God. And any partner connected to this ministry would understand they're not the source of blessing. They're an avenue that God brings blessing. They are a conduit. They are a pipeline. But who's the source? The source is God. If you're a member of the Victory Tribe, you don't take the glory. You don't take the honor. You don't take the praise. Neither do I. I don't depend on myself. I don't say, well, if I wasn't here. No, I don't talk I don't talk like that because it's not about me and it's not about a person, a man or a woman or a family. It's about God. God is the source. The Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. In whom shall I fear? I'm not my own salvation. I'm not my own light. The Lord is my light and my salvation. In whom shall I fear? Let me just read this. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, starting, I'm going to read uh, verses 5 through 10, okay, for those putting it in the comments. Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 10. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It'll be healing to your flesh. It'll be refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all you produce, and your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. Why? Because you honored him. He's the source. He's the one, not a man, not a government, not an economy, not a culture. No, not another person, not a wealthy family member. God is the source. So as you receive your prophetic word, as you pursue your prophetic word, keep God as the source. Trust only in God. Trust only in God. Now I'm going to tell you something as I'm teaching this today. The reason I'm teaching this, it's a very specific word, and there's a very specific group of people on, obviously. A very specific kind of person is going to watch this. The Lord is speaking. This is not an accidental thing. Because I'm going to tell you something, and I'm sure you probably know this, but I don't plan out. I say, all right, here's my plan for the 21 days of fasting. Here's my 21 things I'll teach in the morning. Here's the 21 things I'll teach at night. I don't plan it out that way. None of the things I teach on these broadcasts are planned. None of them. I am led by the Spirit as to what to teach. Always. Every single morning, every single night. I have nothing planned for tonight. God will show me what to say tonight. I had nothing planned for this morning. God will show me what to say this morning. Because he's speaking to you that are watching, that are listening on the podcast. He's speaking to you. So this is obviously a word for you that are watching and listening. 
because God has something prophetically for you to accomplish in the earth. You have a word over your life. You have something that he's lined you up to do in your life. This is a word for you. And so this is for you today to take hold of the thing that God has spoken to you to accomplish it with strength and with power. Amen. And to run with a new momentum and accomplish those things and not have any obstacle in your way. Trust only in the Lord. Take these steps. God has a word for you. Run. Run with it. Don't hesitate. Don't go back and forth between two opinions. Don't be double-minded. Trust in God and run. Trust in God and run. Hallelujah. And I'm going to pray over you today. I'm going to pray that God strengthens you like he never has. As we're now coming into the, the back half of this time of fasting and prayer, God is going to strengthen you like he never has, and you're going to see miracles take place swiftly in 2024. Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I'm praying for those watching and listening to me right now. I ask you to speak a clear word unto them. Lord, in the same way we can receive it from a, a minister or a fellow believer, we have the Holy Spirit who speaks to us. He leads us. He guides us into all truth. We're led by the Spirit of God. And so, Lord, right now I'm asking you to speak to your people. Speak to your people right now. Give us a word from your Spirit. And Lord, if we already have one today, let our faith explode in strength. We're running in the back half of this fast. We're running into manifestations of your power. We're running into your goodness. We're running into your mercies. Your favor will be clearly seen in our lives, clearly seen. Hallelujah. And so, Lord, I pray that there would be a clarity that comes to your people today. Let there be a clarity. I know exactly what the Lord wants me to do. I know exactly what he's calling me to do. I know exactly where I'm supposed to go. I know exactly how it's supposed to take place. And then, Lord, give us the faith to attack that purpose with everything we have, to run after it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I take authority over every lying spirit that said you wouldn't and you couldn't. Every lying devil that said you wouldn't and you couldn't. The devil is a liar. You can and you will. I declare it. If God spoke it to you, you can and you will. The Lord would never have told you to do something that you couldn't do. In fact, when he told you to do it, he empowered you to do it. God empowers what he commands. God empowers what he commands. What he commands, he empowers. If he told you to do it, you are empowered and strengthened to do it and to accomplish it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's coming to pass. And so, Lord, I pray, give us perfect leading. There's people that part of their fasting and praying, Lord, they're asking you to give them fresh direction before the fast comes over, comes to an end. I pray that you do that. Let their eyes be opened. Let them hear and see and know exactly what they're supposed to do next. There's people believing you for direction for the year 2024. Give them clear direction during this fast in Jesus' name. Give them clear, open direction. Let the Holy Spirit speak clearly to them and they'll run in a new strength. In the name of Jesus, we will not wander through 2024 by the power of the Holy Ghost. We will not wander through 2024. It will not happen. 
We are running, we are running, we are running in 2024. Hallelujah. We're running, we're running with clarity, with vision, with strength in the name of Jesus. So Lord, we're open to receive from you. We hear your voice. We humble ourselves before you. We say yes, Lord, to your will, to your way. We say yes. We say yes. Use us mightily this year. We thank you that we're standing under open heavens by the power of the Holy Ghost. We give you honor. We give you glory. We give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody shout aloud, amen. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.